Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Smart Pharmacist podcast series by ISMP Canada. This is a bi-monthly series looking into the topic of medication safety for community pharmacy practice and how to incorporate safe medication practices into your site. My name is Jim Kong, and today I have a colleague joining us for today's talk, Ambika Sharma. Thanks, Jim, and everyone listening in. It's great to be here. Okay, Ambika, so before we get started, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and the topic we're covering today? Sure. I'm also a pharmacist with community experience, and relevant to this particular podcast, I'm a preceptor for PharmD students here at ICMP Canada. So I was very interested in the results of the multi-incident analysis of student-associated med incidents reported to us. And today we'll take a look at those findings and describe healthcare professional students' role in a culture of safety. So I'm going to read out an incident that occurred with a pharmacy student that was submitted to ISMP Canada. A pharmacy student was asked to refill the metformin bin in an automated dispensing machine, a process which involved selecting and scanning the bottle label prior to pouring the tablets into the machine. The student picked up four bottles of medication, but scanned the label of only one bottle four times instead of scanning each individually with the aim of improving efficiency. The scanned bottle contained metformin, but one of the other bottles selected contained Tylenol-3 tablets. Both products are round white tablets. As a result, two different medications were added to the same compartment of the automated dispensing machine. Now, the incident doesn't tell us if any of the Tylenol-3s got to the patients, but that's pretty scary stuff. Now, even though this happened to a student, I'm thinking this can easily happen to any licensed, trained professional as well, right? For sure. I mean, we focused on students because they're future practitioners and they're developing their skills and experience that are needed to deliver safe and effective patient care. And this is particularly true during their experiential rotations. So it was important to try and understand the culture of safety at those sites. And at the time, there was no Canadian literature on this. So we decided to conduct a multi-incident analysis. So for our listeners out there, A multi-incident analysis is an analysis framework when you analyze data from a high-level perspective by simultaneously looking at multiple incidents that are grouped under different themes and sub-themes. Some people also call this cluster analysis, aggregate analysis, or meta-analysis. This technique allows us to look at trends and patterns of contributing factors and areas of improvement that wouldn't be detectable otherwise. Now, Ambika, you also mentioned medication incidents reported to ISMP Canada. Can you tell us a little bit about the information that was gathered? For sure. So we searched ISMP Canada databases, and this includes reports from individual practitioners, consumers, and community pharmacies. And it also includes the NSER database from KaiHi. So this typically houses data from acute care and long-term care. And the search terms were student, intern, fellow, apprentice, grad, clerk, and resident, because we really try to capture all those levels of students or trainees. So all of those other words are pretty clear on what they mean. Now that word resident, so from a long-term care perspective, we refer to those in our care as residents, for example, in uh, residents in nursing homes or at other types of long-term care facilities, uh, versus someone in medical school completing a residency. So like a a med student. Um, so did you have to narrow the search criteria so it wouldn't include certain definitions that may have more than one meaning? 
Yeah, that's a good point, but with these searches, we like to be broad enough to capture the target data and then weed out the incidents that are irrelevant or don't have enough detail to determine if they're relevant. So in this case, the database searches got us 1,049 incidents, but only 616 were relevant. Oh, I see. And in this analysis, both the screening and the subsequent analysis itself were done independently by two people? Yes, exactly. So we do want to minimize the risk that something gets missed, and we also want to have a consensus with our findings. So we follow the Canadian Incident Analysis Framework, and that's basically the Canadian gold standard when it comes to analyzing med incidents and determining how and why they occurred. Okay, great. Uh, so let's get into those findings. What, what were the main themes from all the incidents that you gathered? So we divided the incidents into two main buckets, culture of safety enablers, which were incidents where students were able to make a positive impact on safety, and culture of safety challenges, which were incidents where students encountered challenges to safety. So that first theme, the culture of safety enablers, can you just talk a little bit about how students were actually able to make this impact on safety? Mm -hmm. So these student-identified errors actually accounted for more than 40% of the incidents that we analyzed. So they were active in recognizing, resolving, and reporting med incidents made by other members of the team. So healthcare students these days are taught medication safety principles to some degree, and this definitely supports a culture of safety. And of course, if they're part of a culture that fosters reporting and learning towards safe med practices, then they may feel more empowered to identify and report incidents. Were there any key processes or things specifically that students were doing that actually allowed them to catch so many incidents? So we did note two key processes that supported students identifying these incidents, and I do have an example for each. So the first one was participation in medication verification. So in this example, Depomedrol was labeled as not for IV use and was mistakenly provided instead of Solumedrol, which is intended for IV use. So following the correct procedure for medication checks, a nursing student in the ER recognized the error and brought the discrepancy to the preceptor's attention. I think because students come in with fresh eyes and less bias due to their lack of work experience, it's actually important to include them in uh, processes such as medication verification steps because it encourages them to reach out to their preceptor and, re and report anything that doesn't look or sound right. Yeah, from my experience as a preceptor, I find students bring a fresh perspective and they're eager to be engaged, which leads me to the second key process, which is talking to the patients. In this example, a prescription for Valtrex 500 milligrams twice a day for six days was received and processed at a community pharmacy. And during patient counseling, the pharmacy student learned that the medication had been prescribed to treat a cold sore. So the recommended regimen was 2,000 milligrams twice a day for one day. And this was suggested to the prescriber and accepted. Patient engagement is very very important. I find that the longer you work in community pharmacy, the shorter that conversation becomes because as a pharmacist, you can get so comfortable with dispensing medications that you almost reach a point where you don't expect any issues anymore. Yeah, for sure. And that brings us to the first practice tip that we developed to encompass those findings. And it's that students bring a new perspective to the medication use system and should be encouraged to identify and report any errors or gaps. Okay, great. So how about the other thing, the culture of safety challenges? 
Uh, I believe the first of the two themes was preceptor-associated challenges. Mm -hmm. So the value of oversight by and the support from preceptors during student rotations can't be overstated. The availability of preceptors for on-demand questions and regular check-ins is a critical component of a safe training environment. But in reality, the level of oversight may not be ideal, and contributors include high preceptor workload, so they may be having multiple students, or and they of course have concurrent clinical demands, and in some cases, there may even be a lack of engagement on the part of the preceptor. So, as a preceptor yourself, do you ever come across any of these challenges? I remember when um, I was a student, um, my relationship with my preceptor was very important um, in terms of my rotation. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's definitely a challenge sometimes to manage multiple students and concurrent work demands. But working here, I feel like I'm even more aware of the evidence that makes meeting that challenge a necessity. So there's a nursing study where students cited lack of oversight as a cause of errors, and another study on med errors involving healthcare students that reported the need for appropriate supervision. There was an incident example that reflected this. A nursing student contacted the instructor to observe the measurement and administration of insulin, and they realized that only two units of insulin remained in the vial, which was not enough for the patient's dose. The instructor asked the student to find another vial and then left to help other students. The instructor did not return. The student eventually had to ask other nursing staff for assistance, and the insulin actually ended up being administered late to the patient. Okay, so I mean, from that incident report, I can imagine there were probably multiple students that needed their med administration observed or supervised, uh, or maybe each one was really complicated in their own way, or a patient required extra attention after that. So my takeaway from that is it seems like it's really important to coordinate the preceptor's schedule um, because it's really hard to remember something and then go back and finish it later. Yeah, for sure, and that aligns with our second practice tip which is to be sure that the preceptor's workload accounts for the level of supervision each student needs to optimize his or her learning in a safe environment. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, preceptors in particular, um, you not only have to do your job efficiently as a healthcare professional, but you also have to guide any students under your supervision. Um, so what about the second sub-theme under culture of safety challenges? Uh, that was gaps in organizational processes. Yeah, so the incident reports did highlight situations where tasks were delegated to students before they were adequately oriented and prepared to perform them. So one example was they weren't oriented to their surroundings. So in this example, the healthcare practitioner asked a medical student to hand over a syringe filled with midazolam for an epidural injection, and they pointed to a supply area where the syringe was lying. The student handed the practitioner a syringe containing rocuronium, which is a neuromuscular blocker instead. So the drug was administered and the patient actually became partially paralyzed and required intubation. Yeah, students really need clear directions and clear communication between the preceptor and themselves, and especially adequate orientation to any medications or supplies that they're expected to use, especially in this scenario since this was an injectable and they're administering to the patient. Do you have any other examples, Ambika? Well, from the reports, we can't definitively say that the students were even aware of every relevant policy and procedure. So there were additional reports that described students not really following them. And so in the example that you read earlier regarding the metformin and Tylenol-3 mix-up, 
As many of the listeners are probably aware, both metformin and Tylenol-3 are round, white, nondescript tablets, and they look almost exactly the same. So scanning each bottle separately is a necessary safety measure, and it's going to help prevent giving out the wrong drug. But by not performing the step correctly, two different medications ended up in the same compartment. I agree with you completely. In, in busy work environments, workarounds are always really risky because they bypass steps that were specifically designed to optimize safety and mitigate any chance of an error. So maybe when policies and procedures are described, the reasoning behind these steps should also be explained to students so that they're motivated to do it you know, quote unquote, by the book and uh, help perpetuate these safe practices. Exactly. That's important learning. And our third practice tip is a little broad to try to encompass both those examples. But essentially, it's to review organizational challenges impacting students at your facility to identify opportunities to improve the culture of safety. Okay, so to sum up what I've heard, the findings from this multi-incident analysis on student-associated errors tells us, one, to be aware of the positive contribution that students can make to medication safety, two, the importance of preceptor oversight, and three, the need for robust organizational processes for orienting new students. Exactly. And though the inexperience of students has been described as a factor contributing to med incidents, there are also positive aspects to having students in real-world healthcare settings. And as we mentioned earlier, they bring a unique perspective and they may question processes that actually allow opportunities for error. Okay, great. So uh, do you have any final uh, key takeaway messages for our listeners? I think it's so important that future practitioners are trained in environments that support safe med use and that allow them to use their knowledge to reduce opportunities for errors. And students have a key role in a culture of safety. So the organizational processes and appropriate training can actually focus on optimizing that role. And I want to add that this analysis involves students in multiple disciplines and across a variety of care settings. So I think it's applicable to everyone. Great learning for us all. Thank you, Ambika, for being with us today and describing your findings from an analysis of student-associated medication incidents. Thank you for having me, and I hope we all take something away that can be applied to our own practices and strive to foster a culture of safety for ourselves, our patients, and of course, our students. I hope this was an informative and engaging session. For more information on this particular analysis, please visit ismp-canada.org and visit our 2018 safety bulletins. For our next podcast episode, we'll discuss key learnings from compounding errors.